right? There's a daily surrender of the way I want to live and this slow lifelong alignment of living the way that looks like Jesus. I'm emulating the values and the way of Jesus in my life. And I'm listening to how God's spirit is leading me to do that. And I think that that's like a lifelong journey and process. You're listening to the RBCC podcast, sharing stories and real conversations that inspire next steps and life change. Well, hello and welcome to the RBCC podcast. My name is Mike Parejo. Welcome. Thanks for listening. I'm joined here by two incredible friends, two incredible people, uh, but not so incredible that I'll introduce them. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. So to my right, the listeners left. <laughs> I'm not even sure which way that goes, but yeah. my name is Jeff Jamba, and I am part of our teaching team here at Rainier View. Uh, so yeah, part of the team that puts our messages together, and I lead out at our Graham campus. And my name is Erica, and I am our student ministry pastor, and I'm also one of our teaching pastors, and you never know where you can find me. I don't like to be limited to a campus. I'm just kidding. I'm mostly agree. <laughs> I was going to say, always keep them guessing. See, this is what happens when Crystal does not host this podcast. Yeah. It goes off the rails within the first 60 seconds. We just get to say but whatever. We're going to make it happen today as we are kind of doing a recap on our series about discipleship, everyday spirituality for everyone. And so we just like at the end of these series just to kind of do a bit of a recap and talk about some of the things that maybe we didn't get to say in a message because it would have made the message even longer than it already was. Uh, and various other things. So we're just going to jump into it. Uh, and Jeff, you uh, you kind of wrote and, and led us through the the opener of the series, a massive overview of all of the spiritual <laughs> disciplines and everything. So why don't you like, what wasn't said in a message where everything was said? <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know if it was not, you know, there were things that weren't said, but there was plenty that was said, right? Yeah. <laughs> there was plenty of content. And yeah, it kind of struggled a little bit, like with one of those drinking from a fire hose, so much content. But then what I love is that there was somebody who super new to faith. And afterwards she said, oh, that was so helpful to just have a clear way to understand what I'm supposed to be doing as a, as oh a Christian. Gosh. So that kind of like it, you know, so I really good. struggled with even like, do we do we do a message that is just right going through so much content, going through yeah. seven different, you know, a big overview, yeah. seven different core practices and habits. <clears throat> but really, the hope for that message to open it was you know, something for people to just whether you've been following Jesus for five decades or five minutes, we can all grow in these different practices, and we we always should kind of check in observe how we're doing, but also to just give a clear picture of, hey, this is what it looks like to engage with these practices, because I do feel like we make following Jesus so vague what that means, like Mm -hmm. what it practically looks like. It was good to just lay out like, here's some of the core habits that need to be present as part of that. So yeah, there's definitely nothing more I would want to add to that. (laughs) Um, But I would say what what is a sermon is insufficient in helping walk somebody through how to do those things. So if anything, what I would love is to just, it would have been great to sit down with somebody and I don't know how people could like, you know, observe in, but like walk somebody through the process of like, okay, well, here's how you could like have a Bible reading and daily prayer time and like set, you know, like yeah, help somebody like, you know, like there's that, um, Oh, what's the show? The home edit. 
you know, with the with the two oh, ladies, and they go yeah, in and they yeah. mm-hmm. they like organized to the uberest degree, yeah. uh, like you know somebody's closet, and it's like ridiculous to me. Um, Amy loves it, you know, like it's like Not organization on on crack, um, <laughs> right? But it's like the idea, that same idea of like the home edit, but like the spiritual disciplines edit, like help walk somebody through mm-hmm. how to organize their own personal. Uh, you know, disciplines and, yeah. and just like, I think so much, we don't need more information. What we need is more coaching. Uh, mm. And so that's not, that's just yes. not something that can happen with a sermon. No, but that's what yeah. this podcast is here for, for us to get to yes. talk about like, Oh, like how do you structure? I don't even call it a quiet time. I call it Jesus time. Cause I don't like the idea that I have to sit there quietly for an hour <laughs> and just be like, everything is so peaceful and tranquil. I'm like, no, this is my time to talk to Jesus. And I also set aside time to, be quiet and listen to him but you know yeah yeah, yeah. and jeff i think you know just and we touched on it a little bit in that first message but like the idea of you know you look at, at this this great commission and the idea is like go and make disciples and and i think a lot of times like how how seriously do we take that and like disciples need to be made it, it's not just like okay go read this book and, and and figure it out but like it's meant to be this one-on-one life on life process of, mm-hmm. of helping somebody and coming alongside somebody. And it's not like doing everything for them and letting them learn exactly from you, but it's, but it just requires, I mean, you look at how, how Jesus did it. I mean, that's how we're supposed to do it. I mean, he did mm-hmm. it by hanging out with these guys and spending time with them and they learned from him and he taught them. And a lot of times they learned by mistake and and then that, he taught them some more. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> hey, you blew it. So let's let's review and how do we do that better? And yeah, and and the the process of of making disciples, it's it's got to go far beyond a Sunday morning sermon. Like it needs to be something that happens in in relationship. Mhm. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right, so then kind of heading into the next week, then we started to, to, to break down the ideas a little bit further, kind of the, the and, and, you know, the following three weeks, we went through kind of our own mission and, and our vision, the idea of, you know, pursue God, engage in community, and finally make a difference. So week two of the series, uh, you wrote on the, the, the idea of you know, discipleship, and specifically, how, how do we pursue God as, as part of that personal discipleship? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those really focused on Right, more of those individual, so your Jesus time, Erica, or <laughs> quiet time, devotional time, you know. We can what, keep calling it quiet time. Whatever. I just thought I would share, like, no, that's how I... It's not know. like Jesus, like, wrote down, you must call it, thou shalt call this <laughs> oh, quiet, quiet time, time, right? No, like, again, it's, there's just different labels and things that describe, really, again, what's the core practice? The core yeah. practice is daily engaging with God's word, daily engaging with prayer, and then, ultimately, I think... Right. There's a daily surrender of the way I want to live and this slow, lifelong alignment of living the way that that looks like Jesus. I'm emulating the values in the way of Jesus in my life, and I'm listening to how God's spirit is leading me to do that. And I think that that's like a lifelong journey and process. And so the those daily practices and habits help me align with that. Like, am I am I aligning with the way that Jesus views others? Am I aligning with the attitudes and actions that he would uh, he, he would be doing and that how he would interact with others. And so that's really kind of maybe the thing I just really want to, you know, underscore or, you know, italicize uh, out of that. And and I think I, I said this in that message, but I think it's so important. Just I just feel like I continue to beat the same drum. But we have this version of like read the Bible 
And so many people read the Bible and then they're like, and, and the, the voice, because this has happened to me so many times. I didn't get anything out of that. Or mm-hmm. what in the world is happening in this passage? This is so confusing. Oh, well, maybe tomorrow will be better. Right? <laughs> yeah. And so like, there's this, this standard that we put out, like, well, you really need to be reading through the Bible in a year. And I just think like, almost like, maybe it's sacrilegious to say, I don't want you to read your Bible. I want you to engage with biblical mm-hmm. truth every day. Yes, that's not sacrilegious at all. <laughs> no. So, well, depending on the circles you're raised in, right? Okay, but well. that's, not, that's not devaluing God's word. No. It's actually, do you value God's word enough that you want it to speak to you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was just, I preached a sermon with students last week and we talked about um, like the Last Supper and five verses. And then those five verses, like, there's so much. Like, mm. first of all, like, they're actually celebrating the Passover. And so here's, like, here's what that was. Mm. And, and they were celebrating when God saved them once. And little do they know they're actually, like, marking and celebrating that, like, God is about to save them again, like, via Jesus. But they just don't know. Like, in that, in five verses, I was like, there's so much here for us. So if you're listening and you're like, oh, I only read five verses today. I didn't read a whole chapter or three chapters. That's great. Round of applause. <laughs> like, keep yeah. going. Keep doing yeah. it. Don't, don't fall into the trap that I didn't read my Bible good enough, mm-hmm. and therefore it just doesn't count. That's not the case at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah. it's not about it's not about the quantity. I mean, mm-hmm. the quantity over quality, whatever. Like, no, it's it's am I am I really focused on what I'm reading? And again, like I think reading through the Bible in a year can become an idol for people. Oh like, yeah. You know, like am I actually like you know, is the goal just to read this whole gigantic book in an entire year, which means I'm probably going to have to read between three and four or five chapters a day, which is like, oh, OK, but but yeah. why? Like, mm-hmm. what is the purpose of reading? Th- and again, I've done I've done it, I think, twice in my life. I've, I've read through the Bible in a year uh, and I probably did it 20 years apart. Like <laughs> and all the years in between, I, I did different plans and looked at different things. And yeah, and sometimes and it, I'll, I'll never forget um, I was. I was leading a, uh, a high school guy's Bible study, and this is 20-plus years ago. And one of the guys in my group, his name was Brian Powell. He went by BP. And, and, each, and, like, and at that point in my life, like, I really thought like, like th- that there was formulas for reading the Bible. Like, and so here I am trying to lead these high school guys. And BP's like, yeah, because like, th- I'd always start off like, hey, wh- what have you guys been reading in the Word this week? Like, you know, let, we'll get into the Bible study, but I'm curious because like, I— just want to hold them accountable. Like, have you guys been in the Bible? And BP is like, yeah, like I was reading in, uh, in, in James chapter one this week. And, you know, yeah, I was like, James, James, he's like, yeah, I've just kind of been just reading. I just read the same chapter every single day. And, and I read, and, and at the time, like, again, I was still relatively young, even in my own faith. I was like, what are you doing, man? Like you should like, like and, and thankfully I didn't go too hardcore about it. Cause I, 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 I'm afraid what I would have said to him, but like at the time I was like, dude, you, you, you can read more than that. Like, what's the point of, re-? but now I look back and I go like, man, what a great way to read the Bible is I'm just going to read the same passage again mm-hmm. and again and again. Cause the more that you can get into a certain passage, like the, just so many different things God can kind of bring up and, and, and reveal to you. And, um, yeah, and, and it's funny, like, how I felt about it 20-plus years ago and how I see it now. It's like, man, like, that high schooler, he, 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 he knew, he knew, yeah, he, he knew something that, that I didn't understand at that point. And so, I, you know, I was, I, I was loving that. Um, 
So, so Jeff, when you talked about this idea of, of meditating, you, you brought up, and, and so like if you've watched uh, the message online or if you were at Graham Listening Live, you, you talked about rumination, uh, which is super disgusting. <laughs> but so I just want to share with what I shared at Parkland, and I, and I talked about like, instead of rumination, uh, and again, uh, you, can, you can Google that if you want to uh, be disgusted. Or but, don't. Uh, yeah, yeah or, or don't. But, like, but I talked about like the idea of meditating on Scripture. I said it, it's like— you know, being given the choice of like, you know, well, Jeff, what's your favorite food? Like your favorite meal? Like what? What do you what, just off bacon? The top. Good call. Okay, so Erica, what what about you? Macaroni and cheese. Okay, so what, what a mashup! Jeez, oh! oh, put yeah. your two meals together yeah. and that's just gold right yeah, there. But like, love it. but like, if I put a plate of your favorite food in front of you and said like, here you go, enjoy. You've got one minute, and you got you have to get, finish the whole thing like. You'll mm. you'll get something out of it, but like, but then what if I said like, okay, here's your favorite food, like savor every bite, mm. just make the most out of it, like take in all the flavors, the textures, everything, and that's that's more so what what meditating on God's word is. I really want to savor what I'm reading. It's not about like I got to get through three chapters today. It's no, <laughs> what am I reading, and am I really enjoying it for for what it is right in front of me right now? So, yeah, and I think. You know, again, because I know, you know, some Christians like, well, but, you know, you really need to know all of God's word. And so I think there's a place for like a reading through the Bible yep. in a year, of course. Absolutely. But we also have to understand that not every book and part of the Bible are equally as important and equally as even authoritative for how we ought to live our lives now. So, for instance, people who who uh, sometimes just say, well, you should just preach straight through the word. and like. That's what you should do. You know what I've never had? I just opened up to First Chronicles. <laughs> you know what the first nine chapters of Chronicles are? It's a giant genealogy. Okay? Like, it's just a list of Old Testament Hebrew names. I've never heard anybody say, you know what? We should really preach on those genealogies. Right? Now, again, is it part of God's word? Yes. But, like, do you need to meditate on... Well, here are the uh, First Chronicles 7. The sons of Issachar, Tola, Pua, Jashub, and Shimron, four in all. The sons of Tola, Uzi, Raphael, uh, Jeriel, Jeremiah. I'll tell you what, we should preach on that at a, like, you're about to be a parent conference. And they can be like, baby name book. Maybe like, we're just we're just submitting ideas for people to name their kids or what not to name their or kids. what so, yeah. not to name your kids. <laughs> yeah, there could be some great ideas in here. But, <laughs> yeah. but anyways, to the yeah. point, like but that versus like the Sermon on the Mount. Right. I know what's going to be more helpful for my life. Yeah. Right. So. And so, you know, it, that's kind of a really is an overly simplistic way to view God's word to just say, like, well, it's all it's all God's truth and we need to preach all of it. Well, no, nobody actually, no Christian actually operates that way. And Jesus doesn't operate that way. And, and so are we, are we reading the word through that lens of Jesus being, we would say the Bible school word for this is hermeneutic, how to properly mm. interpret and understand what we're reading. And that Jesus and his redemption is the lens by which we read and view everything else. And so, again, we have to understand how all the pieces fit. But I would not encourage anybody to meditate on the Old Testament Hebrew names. Um, if somebody wants to fight me on it, yeah, sure. Come at me. <laughs> Jeff J at rainairview.org. Man, <laughs> drop the email address wow. right there. You even dropped your own. You didn't drop Rusty's email. I no, that's wait. impressive. Oh. I can't wait. <laughs>
<laughs> nice. All right, excellent. Anything else on on the Pursue God Week? Mm-hmm. I don't know anything either. Either no. of you guys? Anything just that was yeah. rattling around from there? No, no I don't think so. Um, all right. So then as we progressed in the next week, I wrote the the message on uh, the idea of, of engaging in community. And, and for us as a church, we talk about that all the time because we want to see everybody to be part of a, a smaller group of, of believers that are gathering regularly to spend time in the word and praying and supporting each other. And again, the, the idea of. Um, you know, this idea of like that the discipleship doesn't exist outside of, of a community. Like, you know, discipleship is truly going to thrive when you are part of a community. And uh, I don't know if, I mean, I, I think the only thing that I, I didn't talk about in the message, and, and Jeff, you may have mentioned it when you were preaching at, at Parkland, I was preaching at Graham that particular week, but uh, but in Joshua chapter three, kind of uh, before they, they're about to cross the Jordan River, um, Joshua tells the people in, in verse five, he says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And, and, and I didn't touch on that, but if, if, if I had, the, the idea of, of consecrate, it's, it's very similar to the idea of, of, of personal holiness and the idea of, okay, you need, to, you need to prepare yourselves, you need to set yourselves apart. Why? Because God's going to do something amazing. Like God is going to show up tomorrow. You need to be ready. You need to be ready for God to act and to move. And, you know, and, and as the community of, of God's people, like they were going to do that together. And so it just got me to thinking like, you know, and when, when we gather together in, in small groups and, and it's so important that we have this time together, like, you know, it's great that, you know, that, that we're here together in a podcasting room talking, but like, but as we engage in these uh, communities and, and we're in smaller groups, uh, even how we prepare ourselves um, ultimately to see how God's going to show up in those small groups. Cause I think sometimes like, and I know I've done it a million times in my life, but like, I'm just showing up to, to you know, our community group tonight because that's what I'm supposed to be doing. But I almost go in without any expectation that God's going to do something cool in that. And and so the the last time that I went through Rooted, and, and I've been through it three different times, and if you're listening, you're not familiar with Rooted. It's a 10-week discipleship experience. We're actually launching it uh, here in the fall again. Um, but but the, the last time that I went through Rooted, um, it, it, it was my... My best experience with it, despite the fact that we did it online. So we did it like as the pandemic hit. And so like we had five different couples all meeting in our different homes over a Zoom screen, far from ideal. And yet that was the best experience that I had had in Rooted. Um, and I think it was because, again, like, yeah, I, I was leading it. And so there was a certain level of preparation that I needed to do. But, but I think just just the expectation that God was going to do things even over a computer screen, you know, amongst the five households. And so like I needed to, to consecrate, to prepare to, to, to set myself apart, to be ready to see what God was going to do. And, you know, and so Crystal's here in the room with us. She's not saying anything. She's behind a computer screen right now. She did wave uh, to us. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she is waving, but she and her, her husband, Jesse were, were part of that group. Uh, Trevor Hansen are, uh, I don't know what Trevor's role is anymore, but worship like, pastor. yeah, where's your pastor? Yeah, leader. So he, he's got 8,000 hats that he wears, but he and his, his wife, Summer, were in that group. RBCC safety. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the jack of all trades. Uh, but like, you know, so we, we had this great group uh, of people and just seeing how God moved in and through that group. And like, I think about uh, Crystal's husband, Jesse, and how God like totally took his life and flipped it upside down in an awesome way, ends up getting baptized and like, and all these cool things. I mean, 
uh, one of the people in our group just coming to grips with some anxiety and depression and being willing to talk about that over a screen. Like it was wow. just things that like you wouldn't expect to happen in a group normally, but then to happen on screen, like it, it was just incredible to see how God was working in people's lives and and I think we should we should expect that not only in our own lives, but I think we should expect that as we gather together in community that, that mm-hmm. he wants to move. And like, you know, and, and, and even biblically, you know, it, it's in Matthew and I can't remember the exact reference, but, you know, it's, it's for where two or three gather together in my name. There am I with them. And if God's there, we should expect that awesome things are going to happen. And, and so I think that's one of the coolest parts about being in a community is that we can expect to see God moving in that community. And even if it's not something incredible he's doing in my heart, it's just as awesome to see him doing something incredible in somebody else's heart. I mean, to see what he was doing in, in Jesse's heart in that room was just like, God, this is so amazing. Like, it, it doesn't have anything to do with me. And yet yeah. it did because I was part of that group. And so it is setting ourselves apart to be ready for what God is going to do. And I think... um Uh, I did not preach this sermon at all. Both of you did. Um, But I think there is some sort of a place for a conversation around like, and I said this a little bit with um, in a sermon I'm prepping for students. The bummer thing is that when you're in relationship with other people and there's some sort of hurt or there's conflict or there is um, it, it ends that relationship. The only way to like heal from that is to have to put yourself back out there again. And I think that can even be one of the most incredible things in a group is like for the first time or maybe not the first time, maybe for the first time in a while. um, It can be this like healing, restorative (laughs) sort of situation as well, which I think is another really incredible thing that happens when we gather is people like for the first time when they are in groups are saying like, oh, my gosh, this is the first time I have made friends in a church or this is the first time that um, I can like trust a group. And so I I would have. I think there's a place to acknowledge, like sometimes groups can be hurtful and painful, but the, also the only way to begin to heal from that experience is to have to put yourself back out there and and show up expecting that God is going to do something in that group, whether it is in your life or in someone else's life. Really yeah. Cool. Yeah. And I, I actually, yeah. In this message, I talked about it. Like I had a t-shirt and I talked about, um, you know, our, uh, the church hurt me and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> and my t-shirt was just fully black. I said it was fully redacted. So nobody, <laughs> nobody can, you know, know, know my, uh, you know, know my hurt and throw anybody under the bus kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but that we, you know, yeah, we all wallow in that shirt. We put it on, you know, put it on and wallow on the couch for a while, but that really, um, I think that the, this, there's this huge, uh, I'm going to say a problem like in our culture is that there's a whole, there's a whole bunch of, you know, high profile, um, you know, um, situations where church leaders or churches, just terrible things have happened. Yeah. Um, leadership failures, moral failures, people being hurt. Uh, and so for the thousands of churches that that's true at, there are tens of thousands of churches that are doing it well, being loving communities that are never heard of. And so, but the, it doesn't matter because there's this perception that all churches are bad, hurtful places. And so I think, and especially for a lot of younger people, the whole conversation around decon, deconstruction of faith, I think stems from the fact that uh, there's a cognitive dissonance. They can't hold intention, or you, you, you might be listening and you can't hold intention 
well, this community is imperfect. There are things that, that don't happen in the way they should. And yet somehow God, that's God's community. That's where God's people are. And so it's like, well, both can't be true. So I'm just going to throw all of this away. And I was listening to um, Philip Yancey wrote a memoir. Things called Where, Where the Light Falls or Where the Light Lays or something. Fascinating hear him talking about this. Um, and his background of, um, he's a Christian author, um, you know, kind of had his time in the sun in the previous generation, really. But um, fascinating Christian author, uh, wonderful stuff he writes. And he wrote of his, his journey at that time, that wasn't the language of deconstructing faith, but like wanting to reject, push back. And ultimately what brought him back around to faith uh, was really considering the beauty of creation, the beauty of romantic love. And that was what drew him back into his faith. But in that conversation, he had a line that really stuck with me. He said, you know, it's really a bad trade to, and I'm paraphrasing him, Go going from an imperfect community of faith to having no community of faith. He said, that is going to be a bad trade for you if that's what you make. It, the, kind of in the wisdom of older age men, don't do that. And you can hear his heart, right, for, uh, for others. And so I think that that's kind of what, what's happened in, com- in community in terms of church. A lot of people either just assume Oh, every, every church experience is just like, uh, you know, the rise and fall of Mars Hill. It's just, and it's like, no, that's not representative of most churches. Now, that's not to explain away any hurt that people have experienced in church, and, and we've all experienced that to some degree. But I think it's that lens, right? Like, am I viewing it through, oh, there's imperfection, there's imperfect people, um, there's a couple of mean people, or there's, there's judgmental people, therefore, I don't need that at all. Man, that is a bad trade. And I just think a lot of the, the, the lack of true community that people have, it's not like it's the only thing that can fix that problem. Um, but there are so many benefits from being in real, true community with other human beings. And the church may be the only organization on planet Earth that exists to create community, to create healthy, thriving community. Maybe there's some other things, you know, I don't know, but like, that's just what we do. Um, and so, yeah, I want to get your thoughts on that. I got a verse, but yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to talk about this a little bit in like our next section. So I don't want, I don't want to give away my whole talking point, but um, <laughs> like being part of uh, the church is like wildly inefficient. <laughs> and, and so sometimes we have to let go of um, expectations and and be hopeful and expectations of how we want God to work and just open our eyes to what God is doing. Um, and also acknowledging like, yeah, and sometimes people are bummers. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's funny because it's, I think we've probably all been part of small groups, community groups, discipleship groups, whatever, where it's just like, uh, why am I still in this? Like, and sometimes groups need to die and, and people need to move on to different groups and that's fine. But like, it's easy then to point the finger like, well, this is why this group didn't work. Like, well, I was part of that group too. And if it <laughs> fell apart, chances are I played a role as well. And again, that's not to say that we should all beat ourselves up over groups that, that didn't continue or whatever, but it's, again, it, <laughs> all these groups are filled with imperfect people and it doesn't matter who they are or how far, far along they are in their faith. Um, 
yeah, I mean, we're all screwed up individuals trying to figure this out together. And so, yeah, I mean, the finding that perfect group. Uh, Good luck. Yeah, it's it's not going to happen. I mean, it's, right. And it literally doesn't exist. And but there's no substitute for it. Like there's no substitute for the community, even though it's imperfect. And so, yeah, I'm kind of looking at John 17 right now. And you, you talked at the beginning of this conversation on community with God's people consecrating themselves in the book of Joshua before mm-hmm. they crossed the Jordan River. Uh, and so kind of a cousin of the idea of consecrate is really preparing yourself, setting yourself apart. Jesus uses this word in John 17, 17, sanctify them. Same ideas, consecrate, mm-hmm. um, set apart, prepare, make them ready, um, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Uh, and so he talks about, again, sending believers into the world. But then a few verses later, um, he, he talks about it, that, uh, that I may be in them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved me, even as you have loved me. And so we don't need, you don't need to find a, a church community that has perfect people or people who don't screw up or people without issues. The power comes from being committed and united to one another in spite of our shortcomings, Mm -hmm. in spite of I might screw up for the hundredth time or I might not show up 100% present. But you know what? Like showing up is how I'm committed and how we're unified and not and not giving into the I'm just too tired. I'm just not getting anything out of this group. So you know Mm -hmm. what? Like I, I just need some space. I just need to bounce. And it's like. Man, that is enemy's tactic number mm-hmm. one, because what's Jesus' desire for his community is they will be united. Like, that's where the power yeah. is. And so it, I think that's just a freeing concept that I don't have to have all my stuff figured out. I don't even have to show up perfect all the time, which, again, as pastors, it's a whole nother rant, a whole nother thing. Um, but the power comes from being united, mm-hmm. and that starts with a commitment to one another. And there's no shortcut around that. But that's where the beauty and the power of the church resides and lies. And so, yeah, lean into being known by somebody, by anybody in in a church, uh, in a local church context. Yeah, that's really good. All right. So then, Erica, you wrote the uh, the final message on making a difference. That was Serve Sunday. As we're recording this, Serve Sunday hasn't actually happened yet. Yeah. Uh, so I can't say. And wasn't it a great Sunday? Because oh. oh, it hasn't happened yet. But I'm going to preemptively but, say it was a great yeah, Sunday. Yeah, I'm full of faith that it was yeah. an incredible Sunday. But why don't you tell us a little bit, any, anything extra on, on what you were talking about on Sunday? Yeah. So this coming Sunday, which it won't even be online. So... Hopefully you were there in person. Um, we're talking about um, Rahab. Rahab and the spies. And um, she put herself out there. She took a risk. Um, and incredible things happened, right? She she hid the spies away. And, um, and then her and her family were saved. And she gets to make an appearance in uh, Jesus' genealogy. And, and all these incredible things happened. But she took the risk before she knew what the guarantee was. And I think Serve Sunday for our church is this day where we put ourselves out there. We show up to the schools. And that very first Sunday, we had the lowest of expectations of how, <laughs> like, of, of what was going to happen. But we put ourselves out there and said, hey, schools, we care about you and we want to serve you. And we've seen some really beautiful fruit from that over the last four or five years. This will be our fifth Serve Sunday. 
But the thing that I'm not saying in the sermon, because I have like 10 minutes to to preach on Sunday, um, is that being part of the kingdom of God is wildly inefficient. Um, like, because it does not operate on our timeline and it is not all about like, you get out 100% what you put into it and everything you see results as quickly as you want to be able to see results. Like that just doesn't happen when you build relationships and when you show up and serve others. Um, and I think that that is often what ends up deterring people is they're like, yeah, I want to go serve. And then like six weeks in, they're like, these, these kids still don't even know my name. Like, I don't think I'm getting, I'm not getting through them at all. They don't even know what my name is or, um, you know, I, I, I've been leading this group and I haven't had this incredible moment where God showed up. So I think I just have to be done. And, and I just want for us in this like strive hard, hustle hard culture where it's like, Oh, we should always be seeing the fruits of our labor to be like, let go of that a little bit. Like we, mm-hmm. we won't always see that. So I don't know what your guys thought is on that. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, it's funny, you know, Eric and I both serve in student ministries. And the thing that I've told volunteers uh, for decades now, is especially volunteers that work with, you know, high schoolers and middle schoolers, like, you don't you don't do this for all the thanks and praise you're going to get, because that's <laughs> not something that comes very naturally to a 12 year old to be like, oh, thanks so much for leading my Bible study. Like, you never hear that. But that's also not not the purpose of serving. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the purpose is. Okay, God's called me to be faithful with the gifts that he's given me and okay, I'm just going to do that and and whether I get thanked now or never like that's not really the point cuz the point is honoring God with what I'm doing in this life and whether that's serving a 12-year-old or a 92-year-old or mowing the lawn for my neighbor or whatever it is it's okay God, how can I faithfully use the gifts that you have given me? simply because you've given me gifts and that's the right response is to be able to, to serve others with those. And, and, and to make a difference, um, isn't about being recognized, but making a difference is ultimately okay. Like if it's something that is honoring to God, then that will make a difference. And just, and, and it's trusting in that and it's having the faith that, okay, the efforts that I put in, even if they go unrecognized, um, my heavenly father sees it all. And he's the one in charge of it all anyway, and he's in charge of the results and all the hard parts. So, okay, I'm going to do it whether anybody ever sees it or not or recognizes it, or even if they say, I did a terrible job, like, that's okay. I did my best with the gifts that God gave me, and that's got to be good enough. (laughs) So Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's really kind of, you know, kind of full circle in the everyday spirituality and following this pathway that Jesus lays out for us. That's what we mean by discipleship, really practicing um, the, the habits, the disciplines that are, that are part of walking in the way of Jesus. Um, yeah. I just think of um, the parable, of the talents that Jesus says, where, you know, um, one person was entrusted with, you know, five gold coins, another two and, and another one. And the point isn't to like, and you better get to 20 gold coins Right. Like there should be a return on mm-hmm. uh, the way we invest our life. Like, yeah, we should be investing our life in such a way that, that there are some noticeable, tangible, like fruit of our labor. But that's not that's not going to look the same for everyone. The, the point is to be faithful at doing whatever it is that God is calling me to do and to do that wholeheartedly. So I, I heard Tim Tebow when he's talking about his foundation recently 
uh, on on a podcast, you know, he said like, you know, sometimes the world says like you can be the best. He said that's not true, <laughs> <laughs> but you can be the best version of yourself that God wants you to be. And so I think that that's we often compare things in light of comparing ourselves to somebody else in our field, yeah. somebody else in our profession, mm-hmm. somebody else in our life stage, and we compare against them versus. Am I comparing myself against the standard that God calls me to? Mm-hmm. Uh, and am I measuring myself against the values that God values of right being a person of integrity, faithfulness, gentleness, uh, you know, a person of self-control, right? All of those things um, become really what the drivers are of, yeah, am I walking in this pathway of Jesus? It's going to be transformed in a character way. So... And there's no, there's no shortcuts to it. And often, like, you can't control the results. So, like, our lead executive pastor, uh, Rusty, he just came back off a of sabbatical after the summer. And so he was just sharing some of the things he learned with some of our leaders. And uh, one of the leaders said, yeah, I noticed, because he described, you know, feeling more relaxed. And this leader said, yeah, you looked, literally, you physically looked healthier when the first Sunday I saw you back. And, and... I could see a different, you know, relaxed demeanor. Okay, well, that only comes from practicing this more intense rhythm of Sabbath. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. there's no shortcut to getting there. Like, that's not a, like, I'm going to take a nap today and then <laughs> magically let all of the stress of, you know, leading through two years of a pandemic just melt away through a nap, right? No like, big that's, deal. That's not how it works. I mean, it's, I guess it depends on how long the nap is. Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> true. Like, nap, coma, whatever. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, I just think that that's you know part of part of it is it's measuring ourselves against what what God invites me to measure myself uh, up to, rather than what the world asks me to measure yes. myself up to. That is a much better way than what I phrased it, which is why it's not in the sermon on <laughs> Sunday. Yeah, he has phrased very well. Oh, thank you. I was not fishing for compliments. I promise. Uh, but, but yeah, if you're going to review us, five stars only. Five stars only. All right. Anyways, I, here's the deal. I can only say that because this podcast, while I get to be on it, is not technically my project. Like this is me supporting the digital ministry of Radio View by saying five stars only. Like, it, oh, and I'm saying it because, like, just if you're a troll, get out of here. Like, that's true. If you're a troll, get go out. get a hobby. Okay, like just really <laughs> trolling our church podcast. Like, nope. Christopher, do we have something else? Oh, wow. Wow. I didn't need to know that. I regret asking that question. I am extending an invitation to the trolls out there. Uh, Let's have a conversation sometime. All right. Anyways, you have my email from earlier on. So, oh my God. I mean, it might not answer you back, but, anyways. Well, I think that brings us to the end (laughs) of today's podcast. Erica, Jeff, thanks. This has been fun. Uh, This has been a great series. Something that, uh, again, like we really just scratched the surface on the idea of, of discipleship. I mean, like this is, the, this is the point of the entire Christian life is, is to be a disciple of Jesus. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, a four-week series, a 35-minute podcast or whatever isn't going to give you everything that you need to know. Uh, but hopefully this has been a helpful conversation uh, to those of you who are listening. want to encourage you to make sure that you are taking the steps to pursue God, to engage in community, to make a difference. Um, yeah, that's, that's what God has called us to do. So. Yeah. And I would say if you are listening and you're like, I feel stuck in faith and finding community or figuring out what does it mean to follow Jesus or 
live a Christian life, like please message us. This is why we exist as a church. We want to help you wherever you are at and give you the right tools, the right resources, point you to the right opportunities. Uh, and so, yeah, if you're listening, like just reach out, message us. We would love to help you take that next step in your faith. Yeah. Don't give up. Awesome. All right. Thanks for listening to the RVCC podcast and we will catch you next time. Bye. See you.